You're listening to Rabbits and Adol Kazilski. And in case you didn't get it from the ad, this is 101.9 High FM. I'm Rebertson Adel Kozilski, and I'm so glad to be with you today on this beautiful winter afternoon in Johannesburg. Sun shining. Isn't it amazing, the winters we have? Absolutely fantastic. Just need a little bit of a jacket, and we're good to go. Hope everybody had a fantastic weekend and uh, has started off the week uh, good and motivated and energized and what better way to energize ourselves than to just stop a little bit at lunchtime and learn a little bit of Torah. Torah is considered to us Jewish people as water, as water is very important to our bodies and uh, we cannot survive without it. So too Torah is water to the soul. It is something that will quench our thirst and it will give us an understanding of who we are, what our purpose is, what we're doing here, and uh, really just motivate us from a spiritual side. And we need to feed our spiritual side. It's not only just about that what you that that what you see in this world, but also what why we here and 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 really just you know feed into that. Um, part of us that we don't see, more actually important than that which we do see. We are in the midst of studying the book of Genesis, the chapter one of Genesis, and we are going through uh, the creation of the world. And today we are going to be studying chap- uh, chapter one, verses 14 to 19, and those verses cover the um, fourth day of creation, which actually is an absolutely fantastic day to to study. And quite honestly, I could spend maybe three, four shows on it. I'm going to try to condense it into one, so we just keep a little bit of momentum. But really, when you go through these verses and you start seeing the understanding of the Torah, understanding of the rabbis that expound this, um, you need to sit back and say, Wow. Wow, because our rabbis knew long, long before NASA, long, long before any from Galileo, long before any any genius that um, that 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 has been around um, since the creation of the world. Um, they knew much more about astronomy, about astrology and the way the work, world worked long before it was that actually became scientific fact. And this is perhaps one of. One of the truths, one of the, the, the realities that we need to understand that Torah is true. And it's kind of, it's not kind of, it is looking into the manual, the instruction manual of the world to understand how the world works. So let's get stuck in. If you have a uh, Chumash, if you have the five books of Moses with you, you can flip open to chapter one, verse 14. I'm just going to be reading the the English primarily, but dropping one or two Hebrew words uh, so that we can go back and dissect them a little bit because it is in the original that we normally see a lot of nuance and a lot of hints to a lot of stuff. So chapter uh, verse 14 reads as following by Yomer Elohim, God says, Let there be lights in the firmament of heaven, and these lights are going to do what? They are going to divide between the day and the night. So the first function of God 
um, putting in lights into the firmament, into in, into the, the 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 universe, into our world, into our our space, is that it will divide between day and night. There will also be There will be signs for set times for the days and the nights. And then God says, let them be as lights in the firmament of heaven to illuminate the earth. And it was so. That's how it was. Then we, this was just the, 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 the command that there should be lights in the firmament. Now we see that it actually happens. God put these two great lights, um, into the firmament. The first great light went into um to to rule over the day to 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 be king over the day um and the small light will be for the reign of night to rule over night and the stars will join um the light at night and God gave um God set them in the firmament of heaven to illuminate the earth, to rule over day and overnight, and to divide between light and goodness. God saw it was good. And it was evening, it was morning, the fourth day. So essentially here we are reading about the creation of the sun, the moon, and the stars. And interestingly, um, a whole lot of other stuff that pertains to the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, the the in fact the entire celestial cosmos um, as we know it today. It seems pretty simple, but there's quite a few questions that we can actually ask. So the first fundamental question that we need to ask is: Okay, you are now putting a sun. That is going to rain for the, during the day and a moon that's going to rain at night and it's going to illuminate earth. Why then did the Torah go and say that it was evening and it was morning day one, day two and day three? Who was illuminating the world day one, day two and day three? How did they know the difference between day and night and day one, two and three? If the sun only came up on Day four, a fundamental question. The second question um, um, is based on the Hebrew text, which if you go and look, let me just go find uh, the actual verse over here. Um, it is verse 16. Yep. God made the two great luminaries, Me'orot from Ma'or to light from Or, light, Gedolim, big lights. He made them, okay, because now he was going to put them in their places. Now look what it says. The big light was for the reigning of the day, to dominate the day. The small light or the lesser light, would be to dominate the night. But hang on a second. Three, four words before that, it said, God created Shnei Meorot Gedolim. He created two big lights. And then in the next breath, he says, the big light would be for the day and the smaller light will be for the night. 
So why did you call them two great lights? If they're great, one great plus two greats, one great plus another great makes two greats. Shnei me'orot gedolim. Suddenly, the sun is called Hamor Hagadol, the big light, and the moon is called Hamor Hakaton, the small light. Whatever happened to what happened here? <laughs> How do you, you describe it one way and then in the next breath describe it in a, another way? And then finally, there is another question that um, we have over here where it says, Yehi me'orot berakia. Let there be lights in the firmament, in, in the heavens. That's in verse 14. Going back to verse 14, okay, it says, Yehi me'orot berakia. Let there be lights in the firmament. But for anybody who knows uh, Jewish grammar, me'orot is the plural of ma'or. One ma'or, many me'orot. If you're going to say, let there be, we know that in Hebrew, we run with the, we, 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 we conjugate everything to run in the same tense and in the, with the same amount of people. If there are me'orot, the word has to be yihi you. Let there be in plural, me'orot, many lights. If you want to say, let there be one light, then you say the word yehi ma'or, let there be a light. But here we've got a contradiction. We've got yehi in the singular and me'orot in the plural. And, uh, you know, the rabbis straight away go and pick up on this nuance trying to, to, to understand what is going on. So those are the three questions that uh, we are going to be answering. But before that... You're listening to Rabbits and Adol Kazilski. Welcome back, and we are exploring the mysteries of creation. And as always, I love conversation. Um, so if you'd like to join in or ask any questions, the on-air SMS line is open 34519. You can WhatsApp on 61 895 And if you really want to have a chat, 010-140-3020. Join me. Let me know if you can answer any of the questions. Let's go through them again. Number one, um, and I'm going to work in reverse order. We have got in the first verse, Yehi me'orot, let there be luminaries. Yehi is in the single, me'orot is in the plural. Why is that so? The second is that it says here that God created shnei ha'me'orot ha'gadolim. He created two big Luminaries, and then in the very next breath, the next two, three words, we've got vetamor hagadol, a great light, a big light, and etamor hakaton, and a small light. So what happened when there were two big lights, and now they went from small, uh, big to small? And then finally, what actually illuminated the world then for the first three days of creation? If only on the fourth day of creation. Did we get the sun, the moon, and the stars? Because we do have a clear thing that Vayahi Erev, Vayahi Boker, it was evening and it was morning. So what was going on the first three days of creation? Three, four, five, one, nine. Let's see who can answer them. I'm going to start with question number one. How do we go from Yehi, which is in the singular, to Me'orot in the plural when it should have either read Yehi Yu Me'orot? Or it should have read Yehi Ma'or. 
Okay, that's in the singular. The former was in the plural, but certainly not yehi me'orot, singular plural in one uh, breath. Now, the rabbis, um, the Rashbam, the, the Ibn Ezra, the Radak, everybody goes and says, ah, look, there is something here that is telling us um, something because there is a, a, there is an inconsistency. So according to Rabbeinu Bechaya, one of the commentaries on the Torah, he says the singular form is used because it was only the sun of the two luminaries. We know the sun and the moon were created. It was only the sun that gave forth its own light. So the Torah is being very specific. Yehi in singular is talking about he who actually gives the light, even though there were me'orot, two luminaries, the sun and the moon. As we know, the moon receives reflective light from the sun. So quite a uh, practical and a standard um, understanding so that is the first thing. Then there is another one um, that explains that um, the, obviously the, orig- the, the origin of the word me'orot, luminaries, comes from the word ma'or, from the light. And so me'orot here is not necessarily meaning physical luminaries, but just means from the light in the plural, meaning that no, they, they, none of them possessed independent light. They were like windows that transmitted a portion of now, hear this, the primeval light which was hidden from view by the firmament. And this really answers question number three. What was lighting up the world for the first three days? Well, we know that there was light because all you have to do is flip back a couple of verses. In fact, go to, I think it's verse, uh, I can tell you now, verse three or four or five, right in the beginning of creation. Um, and we're talking about the first day. And what does God say on the first day? He says, God says, Yehi or, let there be light. Vayehi or, and there was light. Okay, it's actually verse three. Vayar Elohim or God saw the light, it was good. Vayavdel Elohim Bena Or Ubena Choshech. He separated between the light and the dark. So here we don't necessarily have a contradiction. We had a primordial light that was coming into this world, which separated between light and dark. And that's what lit up the world. For the first three days, and according to some commentators, when the sun, the moon, and the stars were hung up in the heavens, they actually received their light from this first light, this primordial light that was created at the beginning of creation. Other commentators um, I want to say that this first light that was created on the first day was intensely powerful. It gave, uh, gave you the ability to see from one world, one end of the world to the other. Um, it wasn't only just a light as we understand it in a physical sense, but it was a, a light, the light of understanding, the light of wisdom, uh, the light of perception. And, um, some commentators say that God saw that this light was going to be um, used in a destructive manner by man, and so he hid it. Once the sun, the moon, and the stars came out, and um, that that light took back a, a a back step. So we've answered question one and question three. Question one is why does it say yehi me'orot singular plural? Let there be lights because we've got one or two two things. One that 
there was only one of the luminaries that was able to emit light in and of itself, that being the sun. The other is that they aren't actually luminaries, but it means just from from the light, which light from the primordial light that was created on the first day. This is where we get the light from the, uh, the the sun and the moon and the stars actually get their light. So pretty interesting. Um, let's look at the second question, and then we can go on to other ideas and understanding. Um, the brilliance of the fourth day of creation. When God creates these luminaries, these heavenly bodies, which we are understanding as the sun and the moon, it says he created them. He created two great lights. And in fact, the Midrash comes and tells us that for all intents of purposes, the, the, um, the sun and the moon were in fact, they were created equal. They were created both in size and in brightness. Um, And there's an opinion that they remained like that for 21 hours. But guess what? The sun and the moon had an argument. Okay, In fact, the moon was the one that was giving the argument. The moon came before God and said to God, listen, two kings cannot rule the same crown. Meaning you're sticking us up in the heavens. We're supposed to illuminate earth, but it's not, you know, two kings just can't rule over the same place. And uh, we're told that God became angry and he made the moon smaller and the sun was enlarged because it didn't enter into the dispute. Um, And some commentators say that, in fact, that the moon was not visible at all until Adam prayed that it should be restored to some extent. Nevertheless, what we see now as the modus operandi is that the sun is in its full glory. It comes up in the morning. It goes at night. It rains. The moon is some, is, is a, is, is an luminary body that waxes and that it, and, and it wanes. And, you know, it follows a cycle and it certainly is not as bright because it has reflective Light. It was diminished. God diminished it because it became farribaldic, so to speak. It, it had a, it had an argument with God in the fact that, uh, you know, two, 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 uh, two governors cannot rule one city. And, uh, once the moon humbled itself, this the Midrash goes and says, once she became humble and realized the mistake. God then went and said, I'm going to put stars, kochavim, with you. And when you come out, you come out in all your glory. You will come out with much more fanfare, much more beauty than the sun itself. So that explains the shneme orot hagadolim, the two great luminaries. They were equal in size until the moon decided to have a little bit of a farible, a bit of an argument, and he got diminished. And then once he realized his mistake, God recompensated by having the stars as its entourage. Now, what's very interesting is that really that's all the verses talk about Verses 14 to 19 is the placement of the sun, the moon, and the stars. But what really happened in the placement of these luminary bodies and this, I guess, astrological um, uh, makeup was that we, we 
got a host of other things um, that that happened in conjunction and that are very much part of the fabric of Jewish life today. The first we need to discuss is the moon because the Jewish people are um, likened to the moon. Why are we likened to the moon? Because we are a people that wax and wane. We have our ups in histories and we have our downs in histories. There are times where um, we have had very cruel despots trying to eradicate us, where they almost got the job done, um, be it the Spanish expulsion, be it the Holocaust, be it the Crusades. There have been times where we've actually um, waned and it looks like we will be leaving the planet almost to the point of a disappearance. And there are other times when our muzzle, when our, our luck, our, we shine strong. We are a full moon. And a lot of, um, emphasis is placed, um, certainly from a Judaic point of view, uh, and, and, and the way that we behave. Um, it's based on the cycle of the moon. So the first important thing is that the Jewish calendar is a lunar calendar. We follow this waxing and waning of the moon, and uh, our calendar is based. The first day of Rosh Chodesh is based on the first sighting of the moon coming up, rising. The 15th of the month is always when the moon is at its height and then it wanes and disappears and that goes down to um to nothing again and so that 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 finishes off the month now we follow that cycle um and as a sorry as opposed to 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 the secular world um who follow the cycle of the sun so we are not congruent with the solar calendar, um, and in regards to the um, lunar calendar, we have to have a leap year every fourth year in order to correct the times because one of the mechanisms that was um, embedded when the sun, the moon, and the stars were put in, it's actually hinted in the verses. It says in verse 14, it says that these luminaries will be what? Lahavdil ben hayom ben alala, to differentiate between the night and the day, but also they will serve as signs and for festivals and for days and years. And from this, the rabbis come to learn that um, we we follow the lunar cycle, but the lunar cycle has to follow the seasons. Once this entire um, cosmic clock was put in, we then um, understand a lot more about how our world runs. I kind of like in my mind, you know, in the olden days, and I think that what comes more particularly to my mind if anybody has had the opportunity to go to Prague and uh, stand in the you know in the old city at the astronomical clock you see this this fantastic um concoction of wheels and grades and and how the how 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 you know the the clock works etc in measurement of time so that entire mechanism was placed into the world on the fourth day it wasn't just merely a hanging up of lights it was 
more about the fact that um, God created the cycles of spring and and summer and autumn and winter, and that there was there was going to be a certain amount of days and months that will make up a year. And when we follow the lunar cycle, what happens is that every fourth year we have to add an entire month, okay, in order to correct the calendar. Because if you do the mathematics of how the solar uh, calendar works and the lunar calendar works, eventually what would happen is all the yamim tovim, all the holidays, which were connected to the seasons, um, for example, Pesach in the time of spring, if we just let um, us follow the lunar calendar without making any corrections, we would find ourselves somewhere down the line celebrating Pesach in winter. And it can't be because they are also agricultural holidays. There's the festival of spring, the festival of summer, the festival of harvest. Um, we have Chaga Katsir, we have Chaga Aviv. So every fourth year, we land up putting in another month. Um, and that month is the month of Adar. In fact, this year is a leap year. Um, you will see now that this year, all the Yamim Tovim, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Shavuot, Sukkot are all pushed much later um, in the months as we know them in the Gregorian calendars and then in the next three years we kind of like slip back again and then we have another um, we have another leap year of an extra 30 days to get us corrected so the first thing to understand here is that in um, hanging the sun, the moon, and the stars together, God also embedded into this world the seasons and the 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 the, the, the ability for man to live according to to uh, not only the calendar but the seasons. Now, one of the things that we do, and it's something that men do. Um, as a woman, I must be honest; I had to actually learn about it quite a lot. Is that we cannot say the the blessing of Shecheyanu, um, the blessing of um, of renewal or arriving at a specific place on the moon because the moon sometimes appears after twenty nine days and according to Halakha we only can say a Shecheyanu after thirty days but because the moon is renewed every month and we need to show appreciation we need to show gratitude to God for this wonder the rabbis put in two. Um, in, 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 into the teachings, the mitzvah of Kiddush Levana. Kiddush Levana means the sanctification of the new moon. And, uh, basically what happens with Kiddush Levana is that the new moon will appear and within the first 10 days of the next month, and normally men like to do it on the first Motzei Shabbat, the first, um, end of Shabbat, of the the first 10 days, they will go out um, after Shabbat is finished. Um, it obviously has to be completely dark. Um, the moon cannot be obstructed by clouds. Um, and they say a beautiful blessing. Um, and they say it in a minion. They turn around and say, Shalom Aleichem to each other. Peace be upon you. They reply uh, upon you. There should be peace. It's actually a very beautiful saying. You will 
notice it if you drive immediately after Shabbat around the synagogues on normally the first Shabbat after the, the new moon and you're able to see this beautiful prayer being said. And there's a lot of mysticism um, behind it. As I said, we are connected very much to the moon. There's no space and time now to discuss the mysticism of it. Um, I just want to bring to your attention um, the, the, the mitzvah of Kiddush Levana, which is said um, generally by men. Um, it is, and, and by the way, the reason you can say Kiddush Levana on every other, any other day, but the reason why they make it on a Motzei Shabbos is that you should give covered, you should give honor to the moon. And since people are dressed in their finest on Shabbat, then Saturday night is probably the best time. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Welcome back. And uh, we're exploring quite superficially the, the creation of the fourth day. As I said, there is a tremendous amount in it. I'm trying to give you a taste. I hope you're enjoying yourself. If you'd like to join the conversation, 34519061895 is the WhatsApp number. So in putting the sun, the moon, and the stars together, we start to understand that now we have the seasons. We now are able to have the festivals. We are um, going according to the lunar calendar. We are having a leap year every so often. Now, just to tell you a little bit about the Jewish NASA, okay, the rabbis who said this so many hours ago, they said the following, and this was, listen to this, this was without any any type of um, telescope or any type of fancy machinery that was going to help them work this out. They, they write as follows in the Gomorrah. The moon completes its cycle in 29 days, 12 hours, 44 mi- uh, minutes, 3 seconds. And this is precisely the same every single month. Now, figure that because... We only found that out much, much later than when the, the, you know, the NASA and the likes of Galileo and whoever, um, found that out. Now, one of the interesting ideas as well is that if we do have the seasons and we do have this astronomical clock now being put into place, we also have this huge discussion about the fact that um, we have astrological influences because in putting the sun, the moon, and the stars together, what also came about was that the planets were put into place and we have in the Torah, the, descri- the des- uh, des- uh, description of seven astronomical bodies, they first talk about the moon and how it shines and is reflected by light, that we have a second sphere called Mercury. In Hebrew, it's called Kochav, which means a star. And we know that Mercury is a very, very bright star. We have Venus, which is called Noiga. We have the sun. We have Mars, which is called Ma'adim in Hebrew. We have Jupiter which is called Tzedek, Saturn, which is called Shabbatai. And the rabbis then go into a huge discussion about how these different planets um, exert astrological influences. I'm going to give you a little bit of a taste. It says Saturn influences murder, poverty, the destruction of cities and kingdoms, sickness and death. Jupiter influences life, peace, wealth, dominance and status. 
Mars influences war and strife. It causes controversy between people. It influences fire, water, the destruction of homes, famine, heat, waves, and storms. The sun influences science, understanding, craftsmanship, penmanship. It makes all kinds of flowers, trees, and plants grow from the ground. There you go. Listen to that. Did you hear that sentence? This I'm, I'm, I'm reading from sources in the Gomorrah. There's photosynthesis for you folks. As easy as pie. Didn't have to wait until uh, we could understand that. Venus influences grace, kindness, desire, and love, and it also influences fruitfulness for humans, animals, and plants. And Mercury influences the light that separates day from night, and it exerts a beneficial influence for people who travel from place to place for business. Then there are all other, all the other stars, and the rabbis go into even more um, detail um, regarding that. And one of the interesting things that I found in another place in the Gomorrah, it talks about the fact that the seven astronomical bodies that are spoken about in the Gomorrah that shine in the sky have the equivalent seven bright metals that shine on earth. We've got, according to the Gomorrah, silver, quicksilver, which is mercury, copper, gold, iron, tin, lead, and tin. And each of these metals on Earth is influenced by a particular planet. Silver is influenced by the moon, quicksilver by Mercury, copper by Mars, gold by the sun, iron by Jupiter, lead by Saturn, and tin by Mars. And then, if we haven't had enough of a complexity, we then have the signs of the zodiac. So, yes. Torah does recognize that there is a zodiac. Torah recognizes that each and every Jewish month has a sign. It has a Hebrew name. It has a character to it. And these constellations are divided further into four groups um, according to the four seasons. So we have the 12 signs of the zodiac, and then they're divided um, in clumps of three representing fire, air, water, and earth. And there is a tremendous amount um, that we can learn about the Zodiac and, you know, how they influence the world. And there is much, much to be discussed about it. But I want just to put in perspective um, a little bit about the Jewish attitude towards horoscopes, towards these astrological influences. Number one. Torah recognizes them. They're there. God created them. And these planetary influences do affect the world. Um, what is the concept of a muzzle? Okay, a muzzle means, comes from the word to draw down, meaning that as human beings, being part of this huge cosmos and what it is all about, um, we are under the influence of these planetary bodies and zodiacs and things that are working in this now very complex astronomical clock. Nevertheless, when it comes to Jewish people, we are taught that we are above the mazalot. We are above these constellations and this natural force that works, meaning do not open up the U magazine or any magazine, the back page of the newspaper and read your horoscope for the day and then go and believe that everything that they say is going to happen. Do not go and find somebody who is going to go read you your sign. Why? Because a Jew is above 
um, these planetary influences. Where do we learn that from? From our forefather, Abraham. Abraham and Sarah, as we know, were childless, childless for one very long time. Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 99. Okay, prior to that, um, Abraham being a very spiritually in tune guy um, and coming to an understanding of God himself, obviously studied the astrological influences of this world. And he understood that according to his muzzle, according to the natural flow of uh, 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 an influence, he and his wife were to remain infertile. And when God came and promised him a child, Abraham said, but it says in my stars that I shan't be having a kid. To which God replied, I will make you greater than the stars, bigger than that, above that, and you can defy that. And that has always been a Jewish concept, that whilst we are part of the natural world, we live above nature. And isn't that the very existence of the Jewish people? Because by nature, we shouldn't be here today. We should have disappeared off the planet many, many millennia ago. And this is a proof that we live beyond um, any natural influence, statistic that there is in this world. We are beyond nature. And this is the way a Jew always has to live, is that if we go out and we are connected to God and we do what we have to do, we defy nature. We're above nature. And that's a very, very important basic principle. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Right, as a wrap-up, um, and I haven't finished because not only is there the whole discussion of the horoscopes, we also have um, the discussion of the eclipses. There is much to be said about a solar eclipse and about a lunar eclipse. And just again, very short, in, in a very short manner, uh, the rabbis teach that if the sun is darkened during an eclipse, it is an evil sign for the entire world. Uh, they give the example, it is, it is likened to a king who becomes angry at his servants and orders his lanterns to be removed, leaving them in darkness. So when we have an eclipse of the sun, it is not a good sign for the world at large. If there is an eclipse of the moon, then <clears throat> it is not a good sign for the Jews because we are connected to the moon and stars. The rest of the world is connected to the sun. We know that we have had many, many um, eclipses in the last two, three years. We've had blood moons. We've had all sorts of uh, stuff. We had that huge eclipse of the sun that went right across the entire United States of America. Um, it certainly um, is showing very briefly. We can see that this world has hit a point of turmoil and that many, many interesting things are happening. And you can join me every Tuesday at quarter past eight. I'm with Howard Feldman, where we discuss are we living in prophetic times? And uh, we certainly take... Um, the eclipses pretty seriously. So that wraps up day four. Eclipses, lunar months, lunar years, solar years, the horoscope, the seasons, um, and of course, the 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 one that we know the most the sun the moon and the stars i hope i've enlightened you uh, today and i look forward for you to join me next week same time same place have a fabulous week <laughs>